From Georgetown University, this is Seeking Peace. I'm Milan Verveer, and this is Colombian journalist and activist, Jeanette Bedoya. For me, it was perhaps one of the most difficult times in my whole life because I had to tell them, to confront them, but I also think it was one of the greatest moments of dignity I've ever lived. Jeanette Bedoya is a Colombian journalist who was violently attacked during the war for her efforts to get at the truth. In the year 2000, she went to one of the most dangerous prisons in Colombia to investigate a prisoner massacre. She was kidnapped, raped, and tortured. Her captors told her they were sending a message to the press. In 2009, she broke her silence and became a leading advocate for survivors of sexual violence. We reached Jeanette at her home in Bogota to speak about her involvement in the historic peace agreement signed in Colombia in 2016 and learn how it is impacting women activists today. But we began by asking about her case against her perpetrators, which last year was elevated to the Inter-American Court on Human Rights. It is the first time the court will hear a case about a woman journalist in armed conflict. En este momento, justamente, estamos... At this time, we're at a stage where we're presenting evidence before the Inter-American Court. This is a milestone, not only for women journalists in Colombia, but also for women journalists throughout Latin America. And I think the most significant takeaway from this process was to have the ability to turn a tragedy into such an emblematic case. Getting to the Inter-American Court has been a very long process. It's been 10 years of presenting evidence, arguing the case, and at the same time, giving a voice of hope to other women journalists in the region. And although I feel so tired of walking this path, I think we're in the final stretch of being able to find justice. And I dream of that day. That's so well put, Janeth. And mentioning peace, I would like to talk to you a little bit about the peace agreement uh, that was reached in Colombia after much, much effort. El país debe entender. During the peace talks between the Colombian government and the FARC, you asked for truth on crimes of violence against women as a condition for peace. How did you choose to make that demand? When the peace process started, when the peace process took its first steps, many women who had been victims of sexual violence contacted me and they asked me 
to not allow impunity to be negotiated in their cases. And I think it was very clear for me It was very clear for me that I was not going to allow for the negotiation of impunity in my case or in the cases of thousands of women survivors of sexual violence. There was a difficult moment in the process when no party wanted to acknowledge sexual violence. And that's when I decided to go to Havana. And so, Janeth, uh, when you testified uh, and you and others continued to struggle to have this very serious issue addressed uh, in the peace process, it finally did result in one of the most significant provisions in the peace accords. Uh, the effort ensured that sexual violence was classified as a crime with penalties that could not be reduced. So this was an extraordinary milestone uh, in a peace agreement. Uh, what did it mean to you and to so many of the other women with whom you worked in terms of the fight for peace and justice? Fueron muchos meses de trabajo There were many months of advocacy work, of talking with the parties, talking with the negotiators, insisting, pushing for the need to talk about sexual violence, and most importantly, of not pardoning it or allowing it to be treated as a common crime. And I think we invested a big piece of our lives in that work. When in the end we managed to get it recognized as a crime against humanity, I believe we felt that all of this effort was worth it. It was our big reward after what was, I must say, very hard work. There, there is no doubt, Janeth, that what you and the others did was just a, an extraordinary achievement for peace and justice uh, that now needs to be realized. And sadly, the implementation of the peace accords uh, is not going well. It's faltering. Uh, women human rights defenders are experiencing uncertainty and danger with regards to their work in Colombia at the moment. Tell us about what is happening and why what the human rights defenders are doing is so important. En este momento estamos atravesando una crisis muy fuerte. Right now, we are facing a very serious crisis in the implementation of the peace agreement. We have over 200 male and female defenders who've been assassinated so far in this past year. And women defenders in this situation have no support. They're in really difficult conditions. And if on top of that you add the crisis from COVID-19, it hasn't allowed them to do their work. But the most difficult thing is to see how Their rights continue to be violated. Sexual violence is still being used as a weapon of war, and that's silencing us. 
la violencia sexual como un arma de guerra y eso nos está silenciando. Las mujeres eh, defensoras no tienen garantías. Women defenders don't have any guarantees right now when it comes to doing their work. We have dozens of women being threatened in different territories. And sadly, the outlook for the future is not looking positive. The peace process is in one of its worst stages. And what I feel is that there's no commitment to implement everything that was included in the peace agreement from Havana. Poder implementar todo lo que se pactó en el acuerdo de La Habana. It's it's very tragic to hear this, Janeth, because the agreement that was reached is is really one of the best agreements that went through an extensive, uh, inclusive process. Some of which you described, and to see it uh, not be implemented uh, and realized, one can only hope that that will change uh, and that there will be that prospect going forward. And I would add something that's very important, Milan, and I think you know this, and it's that to believe in peace doesn't mean giving up on justice. It's the opposite. To find justice is to find a response to those who don't believe in peace. Jeanette, I know you have a campaign Uh, which in English loosely translates into it's no time to stay silent. And clearly this is no time to stay silent, but because your campaign especially supports women and girls who have survived violence, uh, and there's no place for silence uh, in an effort to support them. Tell us a little bit about the challenges that the campaign confronts, some of the successes you've had, and perhaps how COVID, uh, this terrible pandemic, has affected the work. No es hora de callar is the result of transforming pain into something positive. It's not time to be silent. And that's what we say every day to women who are suffering from and who are confronting gender-based violence. To not stay silent, to raise their voices. This campaign will be 11 years old this September. And it's been a time during which we've managed to directly support more than 7,000 women survivors a más de 7000 mujeres sobrevivientes. El reto que que tiene esta campaña como The challenge for this campaign, like all initiatives focused on women in the world, is to persist in the middle of the COVID-19 crisis. Resources around the world are now focused on addressing the economic crisis, on supporting health systems, and sadly, projects like ours that are focused on stopping gender-based violence have less financial support. And that has obviously caused us to face difficult circumstances. But we continue to work, and we are trying to still reach all of the regions in the country where we support women. And in a digital way, we continue to encourage them 
and accompany them in their cases. That is what's most important. There's a data point that breaks our hearts, and it is that during the pandemic, over the last six months, there have been 218 femicides in Colombia, and these cases remain unsolved. So, right now, No es hora de callar is on a crusade to increase the visibility of these 218 women who died at the hands of machismo. It's truly heartbreaking, Jeanette, to uh, to hear about the femicides and, and to hear about the ongoing challenges that women are confronting. And it's ironic in a way that uh, during the pandemic, it's become more difficult to get support for these issues because one of the major consequences that we're finding with the pandemic is the rise in violence against women. Uh, and that is true in countries all over the world. I, I want to ask you about women peace builders. Uh, you are one yourself, obviously, uh, but women have come together, not just in Colombia, but it has been extraordinary uh, the way you've come together in Colombia. Many from the suffering that they've endured over many, many years. How is it? Because uh, I personally am always amazed how women can rise from their suffering uh, to become very important peace builders. The strength that exists within women's hearts, women who have survived war and violence, is immeasurable. And I think in the case of Colombia, the fact that these women know that they're the pillars of their communities has allowed them to move forward, to take some very big steps and to build beautiful social projects. A lot of these women are conscious that this is not the moment to stop, despite the difficulties the peace process is facing. To stop for a moment would mean giving up on years of progress that they've won. Significa retroceder todos los años que ganaron. The faith that these women have is, is what I believe allows those of us who work for peace to still stand today. What I can tell you today is that not even a war or a pandemic can stop them. These women are invincible. That is beautifully said, Jeanette, and it is so important uh, to keep hope alive. Uh, and the women that you've been talking about, the peace builders, are resilient and deeply committed uh, to, to their work, uh, which matters greatly. Um, they are real leaders, and you have been a tremendous leader. And I want to ask you, what was it? Was there anything in particular, for example, that made you realize that you had qualities to lead and a platform through your journalism to be able to do that? Fíjate que esa, 
Esa, esa pregunta me, me, me llega mucho porque... Actually, I'm very touched by that question uh, because I never thought it, I would be what I am today. I was sure about my work as a reporter. I was confident about being a journalist, a woman who loved her profession, but nothing else. And the day I decided to speak about my rape publicly, that was the day I started down this path because I was able to connect with so many women who had also gone through this, and it had a domino effect. My voice rose up, and dozens of other voices started to come out and say, it happened to me too. And when that happened, I experienced a really, really deep crisis. I was overtaken by sadness. Uh, I became deeply depressed because I didn't understand what was happening. It had a huge impact on me. And after having a very long conversation with God, I understood that I had a powerful tool in my hands, and then I had to use it. That tool was my voice and journalism. I still can't really believe the effect that my words sometimes have, but I know that it's real because people tell me so, because I've been able to transform women's lives, and I think that can only come from completely bearing your soul and from really connecting with oneself. You know, Jeanette, you have truly transformed the lives of, of many women and your work is so important. And I personally am so pleased that uh, it's been recognized in so many ways uh, nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize in 2016. You've gotten many other prizes for your work as an activist in journalism. And this year you were awarded the UNESCO Guillermo Cano Press Freedom Prize. I know you well enough to know that you do not see these as your great personal achievements because you're a very humble person but I'm sure that you see these recognitions as a validation of the important cause uh, that you have undertaken, the important work uh, that you are doing every day for something bigger than yourself, for something that matters greatly. Am I right about that? It's very difficult It's very hard. It's very hard to think about those awards and about the recognition because I feel that what I do, even though people around me say it's a lot, it's not enough for me. You can't imagine the number of cases that land in my inbox every day of women asking for help, and that triggers a huge sense of helplessness. I've had to accept that I won't change the world, but maybe I can at least change the world for one person. And I think that's what gives me strength. 
y, y creo que eso es lo que me, me llena de fuerza y le agradezco a la vida todos los reconocimientos que and I'm truly thankful for the awards and recognition I've received But these awards are only important if they allow you to touch someone's life, if they enable you to change someone's life. That's the biggest award. That's the real award. And every day I wake up thinking, I have to touch someone else's life. I think that's what motivates me. And Jeanette, those are beautiful words on which... We end this extraordinary conversation. I want to thank you for what you do every day on behalf of survivors of sexual violence, on behalf of peace builders, on behalf of courageous journalists, on behalf of human rights defenders, on behalf of all of those who want to see a better world. Thank you so much. Yo solo tengo que decir gracias. I just want to say thank you and share a message with the people who will be listening to us. And it's that sometimes we don't believe in the power of our own voice, but we all have a voice and we need to make sure that it's heard. Thank you, Milan. Really. Mil gracias. Gracias, Milan. De verdad, mil gracias. In September, Jeanette's campaign to help women marked its 11th year. She continues to work as a journalist and editor at a leading Colombian newspaper. The public hearing about her case at the Inter-American Human Rights Court will take place by the beginning of 2021. The court's decision about Jeanette's case will be the first about a woman journalist in armed conflict and the first to examine Colombia's responsibility in a case about sexual violence. This interview was produced by Laura Ubate. Special thanks to Martine Chossar for her interpretation of Jeanette's words. If you liked what you heard today, please share it far and wide. You can find all of our episodes on your favorite listening app or at SeekingPeacePodcast.com. If you want to hear the story of another human rights defender in Colombia, in our next episode, you'll hear from a woman peace activist in Cauca, one of the most violent regions in the country. Despite the hardships of people from communities of African descent, and particularly Afro-descendant women in Colombia, we cannot lose the hope we get from dreaming of peace. I believe that we have to persist for there to be justice, and that justice will bring about reconciliation. That's next time on Seeking Peace. The second season of Seeking Peace is a production of Georgetown University's Institute for Women, Peace, and Security and Adonde Media in collaboration with Our Secure Future. I'm your host, Milan Verveer. Thank you for listening. To achieve better security outcomes, women have to be at the center of decision-making all decision-making. Hi, I'm Sahana Dharmapuri, director of Our Secure Future. Women make the difference. We believe that when women tell their stories, 
they change the world. We know that diverse voices lead to more inclusive and better solutions for everyone. That's why our Secure Future supports this season of Seeking Peace. Help us change the world, one story at a time. Listen to what women say about making a more peaceful and secure future.